And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie, Maurice Cotterell with us. We'll take calls with him this hour. Maurice, back in 2006, you wrote a book called Jesus, King Arthur, and the Journey of the Grail. What made you team those two together, Jesus and King Arthur? That's a very good question, George. Uh, it was actually had a different title in the UK. It was called The Celtic Chronicles. Uh-huh. The uh, American, American publisher wanted to uh, be a bit more specific and explain how it was the journey of the Holy Grail. Now, I, there's no question about it. Again, it's this long journey I've been on that uh, Jesus left me. Jesus, when he, uh, Jesus went to Glastonbury in England. We know many people believe that. The evidence suggests he visited Glastonbury. We have to remember that he, Jesus disappeared from the age of about 10 to the age of 32. Nobody knows where he went. Some people say he spent time in India. Some people say he spent time in Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. And in The Secret Messiah, I realized that he's also spent time in Ireland. I discovered a, a statue on the border of Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland called Janus. And Janus was the god of the future and the past. And he, 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 there's a, a stone granite starving in this graveyard in, on the border. And uh, it tells us that... Uh, <clears throat> The month of January was named after Janus because it's a time when we look forward with hope and it's a time when we reflect upon the past. And uh, Janus was associated with Neptune. Now, all of this, by the way, is in The Secret Messiah and it's derived from Salvatore Mundi, the painting that sold for 550 million. And uh, it tells us that Jesus was the reincarnation of uh, Janus. Sorry, Janus and Neptune together uh, could predict the future and the past, and that they came to earth many times and went back to heaven. And what they're trying to do is tell us about the story of Jesus, how he's been to earth many times. And uh, when he came to Ireland, he left behind the Holy Grail, which is in the Celtic Chronicles, or Jesus, King Arthur, and the Holy Grail. Excuse me. And he he also left behind the Tara brooch, and the Tara brooch is a is a, a, a <clears throat> it's a, a twelve inch piece of jewellery that ostensibly is used to tie a cloak together. It's a brooch fastening, but in fact, it's much more than that. It contains lots of information about Jesus, who he was, and how to break the code of the Holy Grail. So I investigated both the Holy Grail and the, it contains the sword of King Arthur, the Tara brooch, this big brooch with a big pen. If you start to decode it, it contains the, the journey of King Arthur. And he tells us that he, he could well have been a reincarnation of Jesus, as could Merlin could have been, yeah. who could perform magic. And uh, the Holy Grail, again, like all of these other treasures from, uh, whether it's the Maya uh, of Mexico, the Mochica of Peru, or uh, Buddha of India, or the Chinese, or Jesus, or... All of these miracle makers who've been to Earth, all the same guy. And so the American publisher decided to call it Jesus, King Arthur, and the Journey of the Grail, uh, which is fine. They, they know their market better than I do. Oh, yeah, it's not a bad title at all. <clears throat> no, no. And uh, again, it was a wonderful episode for me. It was a wonderful inquiry, and I've learned a lot from it. And uh, <clears throat> I can see... Every time that one of these miracle makers came to earth, he left behind information in his treasures. And 
know that Jesus left behind the Holy Grail and the Tower of Brooch to tell us the story of King Arthur and, uh, and again, what we're doing on earth and how to get to heaven. Do you think the myth of King Arthur, the story we've all heard as kids, is real? I do, yes. Pulling a sword out of a rock and everything, huh? <clears throat> it is, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, we're here, we're actually designed to go into conflict with each other. And that makes it very difficult to love each other. So most people don't go to heaven. They reincarnate again. And you either go up and your soul either goes up in voltage or it goes down in voltage. And living on Earth is a bit like being in an elevator inside a, a tall building, a skyscraper. We're going up and down in the elevator, lifetime after lifetime. One time we come back rich. The next time the elevator goes down, we come back poor. The next day no. we come back rich. And, and we can't get to the roof to get the helicopter to take us to heaven. Yeah, the, and the, go, the, goal, the goal is to get out of the elevator, isn't it? Go at least get out of the elevator, out of the building, off planet Earth, and go back to what we were in the beginning, which is part of God. We are all part of God, electromagnetic radiation. And we're sent here to purify our soul because it's impure from many lives. From, you know, they say old sins cast long shadows, and uh, we take them from lifetime to lifetime. So it's, it's wonderful. Once you understand how it works, then like wars in uh, in the Middle East or Ukraine, you can understand them. And we are, as Shakespeare said, we are all actors and the world is a stage and we're all playing a part. And uh, it, it's natural for people to fall out. It's just natural. And uh, as I say, there's 12, even our personalities are 12 types of uh, insanity. And uh, it makes all of us crazy people. Although we don't see ourselves like that because we can't see ourselves, unfortunately. Let's go to the phones. Harry in Port Huron to get us started. Go ahead, Harry. You're on with Maurice Cotterell. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, George, for taking the call. And sure. Maurice, I want to go back to talking about uh, hydrogen and water and power. Um, do you have, do you live on the grid or do you live off the grid? Do you have uh, your own power plant with uh, hydrogen? Can you break down water to do that? I know how to do it, Harry. I've not done it myself. Uh, once you understand how gravity works, it's easy to understand how anti-gravity works. And this year, I figured out that there are four types of mechanical, excuse me, four types of anti-gravity. The first type I've called mechanical centrifugal. And that's created whenever centrifugal force exceeds the gravitational force of the Earth. And this is what they use in flying saucers. They spin. The spin of the, uh, the, the craft uh, prevents the electrons inside the craft from synchronizing with uh, the synchronizing spin of gravity waves from the Earth. And therefore, it becomes weightless. The tornado does the same thing. When you get spinning water vapor in a tornado, it synchronizes the electrons of everything inside the tornado to the, to, to the spinning hydrogen in the water that's moving around the tornado. And what this means is that everything inside the tornado becomes anti-gravitational, becomes weightless. And that's why the houses and cars get sucked up into the vortex, because it's the swirling hydrogen in the water that's up synchronizing 
the, the electrons inside the, uh, the tornado itself. The second type of anti-gravity is what I call mechanical inertial, and that's created whenever a physical object is subjected to inertial forces. An example of that might be a bumblebee, the flight of the bumblebee, which is contrary to wing area lift ratio considerations. When the bumblebee's wings beat backwards and forwards very, very quickly, the electrons are thrown one way and thrown the other way in the wing, and that stops them synchronizing with the gravity waves from the Earth again, just like the tornado, but this one is inertial, backwards and forwards, rather than centrifugal, like in the case of the flying saucer. The third type is electromagnetic antigravity, which is produced when a man-made electromagnetic field shields an object from gravity waves coming from the Earth, and that results in weightlessness. Now, an interesting example of this was shown on YouTube, a video link which was put up by Coast to Coast in February this year, and it shows a crow floating in midair above a suburban road in Canada. Now, when you understand how electromagnetic radiation anti-gravity works, you can understand how this was possible. Firstly, the crow was electrocuted between two separate overhead current carrying cables as it tried to land on one of the wires. The now it's dead, but it didn't fall off the wires because the complex electromagnetic fields from the cables then shielded the crow from gravity waves from the Earth, so it floated just above about four overhead cables. Now, the fourth type of antigravity is the one you're talking about, Harry, which is the antigravity energy, and that's a method which I've invented myself. And that's when an electron is deliberately knocked out of a vibrating hydrogen molecule by a man-made electric field, which results in molecular disintegration of the water molecule. And this can be used in the molecular integration of water into hydrogen and oxygen, and that's explained in my paper, How to Make Hydrogen Using Anti-Gravity Energy, which is available to download from my website for free. And, uh, I mean, I could go into detail about how that works, but, you know, there are others with questions, and maybe we'll save it for another, another day. And how important is the hydrogen to all of this, Maurice? Oh, it's, 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 it's amazing stuff. Uh, you know, it's unique. It's the only atom which has no neutrons. That makes it unique in itself. It only comprises of a, an electron going around the, the proton, just like the, the moon going around the Earth. And uh, it's responsible for gravity, clearly, and gravitational bonding, uh, because we don't really understand, scientists don't understand, how atoms bond together. I mean, they're pretty much correct on ionic bonding, where a positive ion is attracted to a negative ion. They're pretty much okay with covalent bonding, where the outer electrons of uh, atoms lasso themselves to a neighboring atom. They're pretty okay with that. Now, the third type, hydrogen bonding, they don't understand at all. And they don't understand it because they don't understand gravity. Because hydrogen bonding is gravity bonding. It's the gravity waves which are exchanged between neighboring atoms that pulls them together and it's the hydrogen is the prime mover. Hydrogen, because it's got no neutrons, hydrogen spins electrically and symmetrically. In other words, the single electron goes round and round the proton symmetrically, smoothly. 
Whereas in all of the other atoms, they've got more than one proton, more than one electron. They've got more than one shell offset at 45 degrees. And it's chaos. They're all going around all over the place. There's no coherent spin to the other atoms. And as I say, when it comes to human beings, the water in the human cell shuffles up the DNA strands, creating different personalities and, of course, in different species. So it's hydrogen is the most important uh, element in the universe and accounts for about 95% of all the atoms in the universe. Let's go to James in Newport News, Virginia. Hey, James, go ahead, sir. Thank you, George. I appreciate it very much. Um, you know, my book, I have to mention it. You're very nice to let me do it. I have that um, the Holy Spirit helped me write the book. So I, I, hope, I, I hope you're selling some of them, too, aren't you? I sold two one, uh, a couple of months ago. I sold four, and two of them were uh, mine I bought. So I, I think there might be more coming, though, I'd, I'd imagine. And with the times the way they are now, I definitely want to uh, correct the, the gentleman there. Uh, G- Jesus, the father, Jesus' father is uh, not very happy with uh, what you're saying about his son because we are living in a world right now where, where the rapture is going to come and take the Christians out of here eventually. But we're living in a world revelation, and it says there's, a, there's the first coming of Jesus when he was on the earth, and then he was uh, res- resurrected. That was when he be, and, and then the second time uh, is going to be the rapture. He's not going to come to earth. He's just going to come through the clouds and the old the, the dead will rise first, and then the um, and then the uh, living will go up. And then the second coming is when he comes from the battle of Armageddon. Now, you're saying he's been reincarnated all these times, which is just crazy if you go to the Bible. I don't think you've looked at the Bible, sir, and you have your own way of, dis- of developing a, a, a story of Jesus through all this silly um, hydrogen stuff and every, all these molecules. But you're really not telling us anything. I don't see any you developing anything that's, that's any supernatural thing that we, we're going to— have you got an invention of a supernatural thing? Anyway, well, hold on, James. Let's uh, ch- give you a chance, Maurice, to defend yourself. Well, what can I say? Uh, clearly, James has read his Bible. Well, I've read all of the Bibles, and I've decoded all of the treasures of all of the ancient sun-worshipping civilizations. And uh, he reminded me of a guy I once had, a tradesman around to the house, to do some pointing on the brickwork. And we got talking, because this is in Cornwall in England many years ago. Excuse me. And uh, I said, which, do you go to church? And he said, yes, I go to this particular church. And I said, well, I go to that particular church. And uh, I said, did you know Jesus was born many times? And he looked at me absolutely aghast. And he said, well, no, he hasn't. I said, no, no, he has. I have discovered information, secret information, from the treasures of all the sun-worshipping civilizations that say Jesus has been here many, many times. He said, no, you haven't. I said, but you haven't seen it. He said, I don't need to see it. The Bible doesn't say he's been here many, many times, although the Bible does because it says that uh, Jesus was a reincarnation of Elijah in the Old Testament. So reincarnation is not off the uh, agenda as far as Christianity goes. And uh, so I don't really agree with James. And clearly you can't disagree with something if you've not studied it. And he, I've studied the Bible. He hasn't studied all the information we're talking about. And uh, once you understand the part the Bible plays and the Quran and the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud, and all of the, the, the uh, <coughs> Confucian dialects, the works of Buddha, 
and so on, you begin to understand that there are patterns. Now, perhaps James is at, James is at the moment of his evolution where he's only familiar with this information and he doesn't wish to have any more information. That's fine. If he doesn't wish to have any more information, if he doesn't wish to know the truth, then it's not for me to tell him it, that information. We must accept knowledge when it comes along and digest the knowledge and think about it. You know, we are our own civilization. Every human being is a civilization within himself. We have uh, a mind, a body, a, a, a heart, and a soul. And these four bodies make up what we call a human being. And whenever we receive information, these four bodies go into a discussion about it. And the, uh, the, the soul is, is the judge. And the heart and the mind start to thrash things out and say, well, he's wrong. And the heart might say, well, no, he's right. And then the body might say, well, they can't be right because of this. And this is what inculcates wisdom in human beings. It's what we generate ourselves inside. It's not by reading a book and saying somebody else is wrong. Didn't, didn't Jesus also take off for Egypt? He could well have done. As I say, he was missing for many years. And uh, he could have traveled around the world, leaving all these treasures behind. Because it's interesting and curious that he was born as uh, St. Aidan, the patron saint of Ireland, who died in AD 655, which was the year Lord Pekal was born in Mexico. And when we study the treasures of Lord Pekal from his pyramid in, in Palenque, it tells us all about his previous lives. It shows us in pictures, videos. If you believe in Christianity, look at the video on my YouTube about Leonardo da Vinci. He shows us that he was Jesus. He shows us he was Veracocha of Peru. He shows us he died on the cross. He shows us the soul leaving the top of his head. Now, it's, I can give you all the words in the world, but a picture is worth a thousand words. You watch that five-minute video on my uh, website, or you can go to YouTube directly once you've got the link off my website. And I, I bet you, James, I, you won't have to talk to me again about what I believe about Jesus and who I am. Maurice, we're going to take a short break and come back with final calls with you in just a moment. Maurice Cotterell with us. Website linked up at coasttocoastam.com. It is his name. His latest book is called The Secret Messiah about the great Leonardo da Vinci. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Maurice Cotterell. And we are going to take final calls with Maurice in just a second. Your website again, Maurice. People can download free information and look at videos. That's correct. www.mauricecotterell.com. And we've got that linked up for you. Back to the calls. Let's go west of the Rockies. Charles is with us in Sacramento, California. Hey, Charles, go ahead. Uh, hi, George. Good evening. Uh, yes, Mr. Cotterell. Um, gee whiz, you got my head turning around this thing. Um, so going back to like the heliofusion with the hydrogen to helium and escaping light and the on-off nature of the electron switching between the magnetic and electric, this is kind of like new to me, so that's about as far as I could get with it. But I guess the bottom line question would be, is your understanding or explanation of gravity, is there even a slight difference between like the revelation that Einstein pointed out being that 
all matter is uh, has gravitate has gravity. You know what I mean? Um, whereas, you know, thinking of it as like the big to the small, or small to the big, but rather everything did. And um, also, would gravity be like um, a fundamental law that applies to all of matter, or is it something that is a product of matter? That's where you kind of lost me. Thank you, George. All right, Maurice, what do you think? Uh, very interesting question, Charles. If you are if you are to make discoveries where nobody else has been before, you have to dismiss everything you've ever heard before. And that includes everything from uh, Einstein, who was completely wrong about everything. I wouldn't even go near relativity. Einstein had no idea why objects fall to the ground. Okay, he had his space-time, he had all this conjecture and... Uh, what if science? That's what I call it. What if science? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if time bent? What if that happens? I don't subscribe to any of that. I look at the facts. I study with logic and reason. And I can tell you Einstein didn't have a clue why objects fall to the ground. You're quite right. Every object attracts every other object because they've got spiked neutrons in them. These are neutrons that are like spikes. They look a bit like uh, a chestnut shell. And it's the spike neutrons that stop the electrons from crashing into the proton. Normally, you would expect the positive proton to attract the neutrons, but there's a spiked neutron in the middle between them, like, a, as I say, like a spike on a chestnut shell. One end of the spike is negative. One end of the, the other spike is positive. And, and that's the spiked neutron. So... The, that stops the electrons, so the neutron's neutral, but because positive cancels out negative, it's half an electron, half a proton. But it stops electrons crashing into the proton, stops the protons from springing apart, and uh, it explains why all objects attract to each other. Now, uh, I've written down product here. We were talking, of, uh, what was, I can't quite remember, George, what was Charles was talking about product. Helium and hydrogen. Helium and hydrogen. Well, clearly, helium has interesting properties because I did say earlier that the other atoms are chaotic because the electron shells are all displaced by 45 degrees and they're not coherent when they spin. There is an exception to this. It's not just hydrogen. It's also helium. Helium has two electrons, two protons, and two neutrons. And that also spins uh, coherently. However, because hydrogen has no spike neutrons, when helium radiates gravity waves, it has no effect on hydrogen. So hydrogen is completely standalone when it comes to gravity. Hydrogen makes every other atom spin, but no other atom can make hydrogen spin because it's got no spike neutrons. Back to the calls. Let's go to Thomas in La Jolla, California. Hey, Tom. Hi, George. Thank you. And I want to say blessings to the entire audience, every man, every woman. And uh, Maurice, you. great information. I really appreciate your research. My question is this. You had raised earlier in the interview, um, well, the question is this. If a woman... Can a woman plan her pregnancy such that 
it does not conflict with the energies of the solar cycle and plan the pregnancy such that it would minimize miscarriage? All very good questions, Thomas. Yes, but the, un the answer to those is, is complex. The problem is there's a lot of people out there, for example, who think they are, for example, a Taurus because they were born during the astrological month of Taurus. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. Whether or not you're a Taurus depends on when you were conceived. And then the sign you belong to would be 275 days of gestation following the date of conception. The problem is when women get pregnant, some of them have longer pregnancies because uh, they have a slow heartbeat, for example. So they have less heartbeats and the baby matures less, uh, more slowly. Some of them uh, have shorter gestation periods, perhaps because they smoke cigarettes and the heartbeat speeds up. So they're born prematurely, perhaps. Interesting. Now, 40% of all pregnancies are not born within seven days of the projected date, which means 40% of everybody's star signs are wrong. So when people say, I'm nothing like a Taurus, that's because they should have been born a week earlier and they should have been an Aries. Or they say, well, I'm nothing like uh, an Aries. I should have been born a week later. That's because they should have been a Taurus. So first of all, we've got this problem of identity. What star sign are we talking about? The second thing is, some people have no star sign. If you are uh, born underground or in a tin can, and I mean on a train, an aircraft, a car, then you will have been shielded by the sun's solar radiation. So you may have no star sign. So that's another possibility. So if we say, can people plan their, I mean, uh, delivery date, lots of movie stars try to do that. They say, well, my mum was a, was a Sagittarian, therefore I want my baby to be a Sagittarian, and they get pregnant nine months before Sagittarius in the hope that the baby will be born then. But, of course, it doesn't work because, as I say, external environmental factors can change the gestation period and when or, or when not the baby's going to arrive. So it's very, very difficult. But if you, you can try, I mean, there's nothing to stop you trying. To, to get a, a mid-sign baby. In other words, if you get a mid-sign Taurus, there's less, sign, less chance of it being a week early or a week late because you're still going to be a Taurus. Even if you're a week, you'd have to be two weeks. And there's still some people are born two weeks early or two weeks late, but there's a smaller percentage, not 40%, only about 14%. So it, it's not straightforward, but uh, this is why... We will never control our destiny. We will ne never control the children. You may have three children. They may all have black hair, big noses, and short legs, but they've all got different personalities because they've all got different souls. And it's the voltage of the body that determines which soul is going to get pulled down into the body. The, the baby chooses the soul, and drags the same voltage soul is dragged down to the same voltage body. If you're a high-voltage body, you'll get a high-voltage soul, with a halo, if you're a low-voltage body, you'll get a low-voltage soul, and life will be very difficult. But during that lifetime, you will acquire wisdom, 
and he will come back as a higher voltage soul. As it says in the Bible, the first will be last, the last will be first. There is an inverse mechanism of transmigration of the soul. Uh, fat people come back as thin people, thin people come back as fat people, tall people come back as short people, short people come back as long, tall people. Uh, black people come back as white people, white people come back as black people, men come back as women, women come back as men. And this is why I caution women against feminism, because half of their babies, 50% of them, are going to be men. And the second thing is, when they come back, they're going to be men, and they're going to have to live with this draconian legislation that they imposed upon everybody else during their previous life. Let's go to our international line. Don's with us in Alberta, Canada. Hey, Donald. Hi, George. Hi, Maurice. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Maurice, for the, uh, the work that you, uh, that you do in research. Um, when, I, when I first arrived on the planet, I thought the cloak of consciousness, that you just kick the door open and, hey, we're out of here. And, uh, but I discovered it took, it took years to uh, break through. Um, it's, it's like a bunch of veils being pulled back. Um, like some of the, the stuff you talked about, Jesus, he... I get tar. I would get tarred and feathered for suggesting it to some of my Christian friends, but but I do believe that Jesus came down uh, many times throughout history. Um, I've been following your work for years, but the one thing I was wondering about uh, the one tool I used to pull back the cloak of consciousness was the uh, hue or singing the hue, and because I found that realigns all the energy in the body. I don't know all the science behind it, but um, anyway, I was just wondering. My question is, is have you came, because human, like, means God and man, and um, it lines up a vibrational frequency. And uh, and talking about hydrogen, I've seen three different, uh, like, regular engines that would run on different types of hydrogen that splits it before the combustion chamber. And so it is out there, but the problem is that the people with the billions won't let the people with the millions pay. They say they want carbon-free this and that, but they really, they don't. They'll just swallow it up and, and that's the end of it so anyway the, so my question is, is is breaking the cloak of consciousness and making people more aware like it's just is is it just uh and i guess i, I gotta ask you what's your question don we're running out of time okay the the hue uh lining aligning the frencies and they said other time i was listening and uh don well, don get around. your quote give me your okay. question okay Okay, the hue. We'll just go with the hue. <laughs> the cloak. Okay, John. Uh, sorry about that, but yes, uh, very thoughtful questions. And my view is that we all vibrate at the hydrogen frequency because we're 75% water. And water contains hydrogen, which is the prime mover in the gravitational frequency. However, we have to be mindful that... Uh, we're attracted to some people and not attracted to others, and that's because we're vibrating at different phases. So along with the same frequency, there are four different phases, and these correspond to the four types of magnetic field. You've got a magnetic field that is either north or south, or you've got a, a magnetic field which is either east or west. In other words, the magnetic field changes every 90 degrees as you rotate the magnet. So uh, when we're attracted to people, we're attracted to those who are in the same phase of vibration as we are. And vibration is everything. When you're in the right vibration, you can see things that other people can't see. It's like uh, perhaps 
and I don't know this for a fact, but some people see UFOs because it's not that the UFOs suddenly appeared to them. The UFOs there all the time. It's just that they started to vibrate at the UFO frequency for a very short period of time, and they were able to witness the vibrating UFO. So it's wonderful. Once you understand the 12 signs of the zodiac, you can pick a partner which you're suitable to, and that will make a big difference. At the same time, if you know that you're incompatible with certain signs, then you can make life a lot easier for yourself, have a lot less problems. And I say that if you avoid 50% of the signs that don't vibrate with you, in other words, if you're air or, water, air or fire, then the earth signs and water signs vibrate in antiphase. So it just make your life easier. Stay away from people who are vibrating opposite to you, and you'll have 90% less problems in your life. And that gives you more time to study and think and uh, come up with the answers that we're here to come up with. We're born to, to reason. We're born to inquire. As the Bible says, knock and the door will be open. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. If you seek, you will find. And it's like all of this information from all of these ancient civilizations. Once you know it's there, and again, I urge everybody, have a look at that link on my website, the five-minute video on Jesus. When you see Jesus dying on the cross, you, you'll never be the same again. Absolutely. Maurice, thanks for being on the program. Keep in touch, okay? Thank you, George. Maurice Cotterell, website linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Up next, near-death experiences with PMH Atwater, an incredible story of how she died several times and came back to talk about it. 